Welcome, everyone, to the Austin Forum Upload, the podcast of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. I'm Jay Boisseau, the executive director and founder of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. And we are in the midst of Metaverse May programming for the Austin Forum and very happy to bring to you two innovators and entrepreneurs in the Metaverse space, or at least I'll let them tell you how they see themselves relative to the Metaverse space. Let me introduce to you Graham Henry, the founder and CEO of Hologress, and Jordan Henry, yes, his brother, who is the co-founder and COO of Hologress. So, Graham, Jordan, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us, Jay. So, I'm going to start with the premise here, and then we're going to riff on it from there. So, it's Metaverse May for the Austin Forum and our in-person programming, and we've got a, a showing of Ready Player One with a Q&A after it coming up for a fun event, and met Jordan at the in-person event the other night and was just fascinated by what he told me you guys are doing. For our audience, Graham and Jordan have a company, Hologress, that makes clothes for 3D characters in virtual worlds and games. So let that sink in for a second. Everybody knows gaming's exploding. Everybody hears the buzz around the metaverse, but probably we don't always think about all those little things in the metaverse that we have to do in life, like get dressed. <laughs> These are guys are solving that problem for us. Is that a is that a fair state opening statement, Graham and Jordan? That's a good, that's a good way to start it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to let you start by telling us a little bit about yourselves and your company. Okay. So I'll just go ahead and start. You know, I. Um, so again, my name is Graham Henry. I'm the CEO of Hologress, and um, my background is in the games industry. Um, I got my start very young, working at a company called Epic Games, which is now known for titles like Gears of War and Fortnite and their Unreal Engine that people are using to kind of build metaverses. That's where I kind of saw, you know, where the industry was going. Um, through that, you know, schooled off, built my own company, and we solved some of the more practical problems related to building these digital worlds. So that's what led us from there to here. Yeah, my name is Jordan Henry. Uh, as you know, we're brothers now. Um, I started early on in different gaming communities, modding communities. Uh, I built my first computer when I was 13. Uh, I always knew I was going to do something tech-related. I uh, didn't exactly know what yet, and Graham and I had a phone call one day, and decided to toss the hat and see what happened. Uh, and four and a half years later, here we are. Well, I have to ask a couple of kind of obvious questions before we get into the technology. I'm not going to ask you your ages. You're both way younger than me. I can see on the Zoom mm -hmm. screen here. But but how far apart in age are you? Uh, I think four years. Is that right, Jordan? Yeah, so we're five years, but we have the same birthday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were born on the same day. You're kidding. Yeah. Wow. All right. So that relates to my next question. I was wondering if you were close enough in age uh, not that there's any age requirements on gaming, but did you grow up gaming together? A little bit. It was really more of me playing Jordan watching. And then when I wasn't home, he'd sneak in and play my Xbox against my uh, against my rules. But yeah, we did play games a lot together and we still do. We play a lot of, you know, anytime I visit Austin, we go uh, downtown to the gaming bar and drink and play video games. So it's part of our personal lives as well. All right. So now let's get into a little bit about gaming and the metaverse. So there's a lot of gaming styles out there. There's everything from, you know, card games and board games to arcade style, big box games. Um, some of these games, you are just playing a puzzle type game like Wordle, but others, you're a character and that character is 
maybe a representation of you, more likely something you've created that you wanted to be in that game. When you talk about games like that, is that what you're making it possible for gaming creators to make clothes for? Yeah, I think if if I were to just give a brief answer to that, I think gaming technology, its applications are getting more and more broad each day. So from entertainment to some sort of practical e-commerce app to something that's like a simulator that the government would use, there's all these expanding use cases for gaming technology. And, you know, like not eight or nine times out of 10, this virtual space that you would have built needs to be populated by some sort of avatar and populating, populating these metaverses as their scale increases, popping these, populating these spaces with good content is becoming a difficult thing because you need good content. Um, Technically getting that content into your metaverse is also somewhat of a challenge. And if we funnel that all the way down to something that's the, nuance like an avatar and clothing that also becomes even higher of a challenge right so you have all these spaces that need avatars every avatar needs clothing and you can't spend you know if you're a startup or even an established company you can't spend half your budget on building avatars and clothes you need to go build the world that you're trying to attract people to so there's a massive inefficiency around avatars and clothing Um, And so we're trying to kind of solve that so people can focus on building these new worlds and fulfilling these new opportunities that the technology is allowing us right now. You know, I I don't think before I met Jordan the other night, I ever even would have thought about the complexities of providing clothing in a gaming environment or a metaverse environment, but it makes total sense. And in the real world, we spend time and money shopping for clothes. We, some people, not me, but some people hire fashion consultants for it. There's technology around this, like imagining, you know, being able to visualize what you would look at in different outfits before you buy them and such. And so clearly fashion is a huge industry in the physical universe and mm-hmm. the act of shopping and, and often worrying about what you look like and what you're wearing is a real thing. So did, did you guys just translate from that, oh, here's something we worry about in the physical world. Thus, it's something that needs to be taken care of in the metaverse. Or did it come from the example of just the much more pragmatic thing? You were creating games and characters and realized, oh, a lot of effort goes into clothing them. Maybe we can save other creators some time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it actually came from the latter. You know, we were as a small company building apps and games for, for people. And we built this one fitness app a few years ago that had 3d avatars doing, you know, workout routines. And out of all the things that we were doing with that, the most complicated thing was like, how do we get clothes onto these different characters? And it was such a pain. There wasn't a lot of good knowledge out there on how to do it. Well, you know, again, you're building a small little app. It's something so simple, but yet you have to go all the way up to like triple A video game level knowledge to do something that is should be simple. So we really felt like let's build some tools internally so that anytime we need to do an avatar, we can throw clothes on it easier and move on to the more important part of development. So it was a pragmatic problem that we solved for ourselves. And now here we are a few years later, a few years later, now we're saying, you know, if metaverse is this kind of industry shift, now there's 
7 million developers out there that are facing the same problem that we had. So um, there was some urgency on our end to start sharing this with the world instead of keeping it for ourselves. So gaming is exploding and metaverse, at least the hype is exploding. Can you guys give me your, your distinction, if any, between the 3D worlds that you might be gaming in via an avatar and the set of metaverse technologies everybody's talking about? Is it, is it pretty much in an advanced enough game? Is that metaverse or is there still some difference? Yeah, I think the answer, a conclusive answer to this question is a bit nuanced, but to keep it simple, Every game is built on some sort of rendering engine. There's there's a as a there's an application that draws the picture for everything that's going on, and that's a, usually a video game. These these game engines are evolving to support the scale of environment that we're going to call a metaverse. Now that a game engine can scale up and have literally like. Um, planet-sized worlds, or even in the case of um, a game called Star Citizen, you can actually have a galaxy of literal scale that players can play in. But beyond the rendering capabilities, there's also technologies like you know cloud, 5G, VR, AR, just faster internet speeds. There's all these little, there's all these little practical technical layers that have all sort of hit their maturity at the same time. And now they're all plugging in together to be this sort of metaverse. So if gaming technology is the part that you experience on a screen, that's being plugged into all this other infrastructure that's going to allow these new opportunities in gaming that are now being called metaverse. Okay. I think that helps. I hope that helps our listeners. So there's clearly a lot of overlap between these high-end games and what people are calling metaverse. And I, I think one of my favorite examples that I read about, I think during the pandemic early days, was a company that had a business meeting, but they had their business meeting in the game Red Dead Redemption 2. So everybody in the group had to be an av- a character in that game and they picked some place to meet in that world and they conducted their fun imagine very fun business meeting yeah. in that world so that was yeah. that would be an example of game crossover into full-blown metaverse usage right yeah i think if we wanted to kind of make a quick definition for metaverse it's maybe people using a, vir- a virtual space to do what they want to do and so red dead redemption was designed to be this sort of linear game someone plays and some people came along and thought well let's just do it for our own thing and the game has enough scale and enough um, interactability to where you can go do your own thing and the game still kind of supports that. And so as the scale of games increases, the amount of opportunities that can that can come out of that environment increase. You could, maybe the designers had one idea for what you're going to do with it, but the freedom is there for you to maybe come up with your own little like meta game or meta and environment where you're meeting and doing something totally different than what the designers had anticipated. And maybe a decade ago, it'd be very hard for a game to facilitate. It just wouldn't have the scale to facilitate um, users using it in that way. Yeah, and to add to that, Graham, one thing that, that we, we believe is going to be super beneficial to the success of a true metaverse is the idea. And this idea gets passed around a lot, but technically it's, it's a challenging thing, but, 
there's a term closed gardens or closed walled gardens that gets thrown around. And that, that all that means is, you know, a, a team makes a metaverse or a digital environment and they don't let content come in and out of that. And that's like saying, I, I, we, we use this analogy a lot. That's like saying, if I want to go to a coffee shop and I'm wearing this shirt, I got to take this shirt off at the door to get into the coffee shop. And that just doesn't make sense. So what's going to make true metaverses successful is the ability to have content flow in and out of those metaverses and be able to be accessible by the users in all different platforms. So this is really fascinating to me. And, and up until a couple of days ago, I, I wouldn't have even thought about this. So I, I hope all of our listeners are as fascinated by this aspect of gaming and metaverses as as I am now. So, so tell me, is there a big market for this though? I mean, is your, is your company small, large? Are you working with a few clients or many? What do you, what are you seeing right now? And what are you seeing for the near-term growth in terms of your ability to help creators provide clothes in their environments? So our company now is still, I would say, relatively speaking, small. Um, And what is happening is we're doing a lot of what I would say are like direct integrations with companies that are building metaverses or even companies that are building video games and they're not doing what they would consider metaverse. So we're doing a lot of direct one-on-one interactions with those companies. With that said, all of the things that we think would be valuable to a large community of developers, we've built all of that into an actual platform that we're launching later this summer. So that's as far as our business is concerned, we have revenue coming from engagements that are one off. And then we have a pretty growing demand from the community in general to um, deliver a platform to them so that they can, you know, handle things themselves, so to speak. And to add to that as well, uh, mm-hmm. once we released this, this idea, because it was like Graham said, it was an internal project that we had started to help ourselves. Uh, and once we uh, released this idea to the games industry, we actually started getting a lot of traction from the fashion industry, uh, which we didn't anticipate. So now there's a bunch of fashion brands, as you can imagine, that are trying to figure out how, well, how do we go digital and how do we sell a digital version of a real piece of clothing in all environments, not just one, not just two, but all in all games and all environments. And how is that even technically possible? So they've been coming to us to have to help figure that out. Oh, I, you know, this whole conversation was a surprise to me two days ago, but it didn't take me very many minutes to not be surprised that people would come to you about that, Jordan. I'm, I, I, I was, that was actually my next question. I was going to say, have any brands come to you to have you create their clothes and their styles as options for characters to buy and, and wear? Yeah. So yes, what we so. realized, what we realized early on, as far as the fashion side is concerned, is when you talk about a metaverse, and we'll just say a sandbox or Decentraland for an example, what we're seeing is that um, most, and not all, because some fashion brands have done this already, but most fashion brands are not interested in taking their digital clothing and making it customized fit to one character, because then they have to do that for the next character and the next character and the next character. Once they saw our platform, they realized that they can take one digital shirt and fit it simultaneously to all characters across the board. So they don't have to do these custom engagements every single time they want to get into a platform or a game. Yeah. Let me, and if I may just add to that, the, the, the nuanced thing behind that, that I think your, your audience will really be interested to hear is that fashion companies 
they feel like they don't want to invest all of their time into say one potential metaverse. They feel like the winner is yet to be determined. So they're not going to drop, you know, $5 million on supporting one popular metaverse because they from experience feel like trendy, trendy things are fickle. And that, and this is just their words, not mine. They think that metaverses are going to come and go just like fashions come and go. And so their strategy is how do we be at the hot metaverse when it's hot? And then if some other space pops up that's emergent and really popular, how do we make sure our brand translates to this new world efficiently? So there's a lot of like the sort of branding and marketing on making those decisions. But behind the scenes, it's like, how do you make that efficient technically? How do we pull content out of one and put it into other without having to drop millions of dollars each time we do it? And so when we're talking and we're totally new to the to the to the fashion world. So they tell us this stuff and we're like, oh, wow, you know, that's that's pretty incredible. We didn't know that. So we're, we're working really hard to try to um, align with their best interests as well as the gaming world. Yeah. And as soon as we started engaging with them, we, we realized very quickly that we don't want to, we don't want to have to worry about who the winner is. We, we simply mm-hmm. don't care. We're, we're platform agnostic. So yeah, we, we just we sort of stole that, that logic from them. We thought that's a good perspective. <laughs> we should probably operate the same yeah. way. Yeah. So you are, you have a platform, your company is Holograss. You have a platform that you're releasing this summer. And that with that platform, different creators will be able to create clothing in their own environments. And will they also be able to buy or license fashion brands and and designs through the same platform? So either create themselves more simply or leverage your catalog uh, of created stuff, but also buy fashion brands is the same platform for all of this. Yeah, so the the platform we're launching is called MetaTailor. And the the idea behind this is that there is a a fancy piece of tech in there that can look at an avatar and it can size up its proportions and it can look at a piece of 3D clothing and it can size up those proportions to match, just like a real-life tailor would. From there, it can layer the clothes correctly. It uses some technical tricks that we could talk about at another time. So that you, the user has a, an experience, they're interacting with digital clothing in a way that is familiar to how they would interact with real life clothing. So it takes a lot of the pain out of, you know, clothing's usually really difficult in 3D. Now they can play and touch around and, and pinch and pull on it until they build whatever avatar and outfit they want. Now, we have a lot of content in our marketplace that's supplied to us by either real life brands that are doing digital or emergent 3D fashion artists that are trying to build a brand around themselves as being metaverse artists. So we do sort of a range, like we, we, we have high um, sort of expectations for people that want to sell in our marketplace. We don't just allow anybody in. So really good content creators and brands can be a part of it. Um, we also offer very high royalties back so we don't take money people make. We don't take a lot from the, from the artists. On the other side of the coin, if you are a game developer or a metaverse developer, it's going to be a really good place for you to find very high quality clothing content for your avatar. 
And you can actually, it's, you can actually try it all on before you buy it. So we're going to have a, a mode where you can try on all these clothes, build a totally custom outfit for an avatar, and you don't have to pay for it until you've tried it on and, and, and made sure it's really something that you want for your avatar. That's our first stage of our marketplace. The next evolution of that is where the marketplace exists inside of metaverses as a true sort of B2C scenario. So an artist can create something and that's being distributed to metaverses with millions of players and two players can be walking around in the world and come across that creator's content in that organic game virtual environment and purchase it there. Right now, the content is purchased on our marketplace and later it'll be inside the metaverse once these metaverses become more populated. And Jay, real quick to tie in kind of the society piece to that, this is something Graham and I talk about a lot is we truly want this marketplace as it expands. We want the ability to have like, a, you know, a kid in his dorm room that that wants to dabble in, in digital fashion to create something and it get put into a game and he starts making money off that or put into multiple games and they he could start, you know, making money off the content he created. That, that is really cool. You're, you're democratizing the ability for people to be digital fashion style designers, basically, and you're making it possible for them to take a look across different multiverses. That is, in, in a way, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that because, as you brought up at the beginning, right now there's a lot of closed wall garden multiverses. And the ultimate multiverse will be when you can move through these different environments, but you're still you. And you may want to change your look. We change clothes every day. You may want to change your look in them, but the ability to have a wardrobe, an outfit or a set of outfits that is you, that you can move around in all these different worlds in, will have a subconscious effect on making it all seem like one connected metaverse as opposed to a bunch of different environments. I guess there's still the issue of making sure your avatar looks the same, not just your clothing choices, but the more similar and the more you can imprint your aesthetic and your style on yourself and carry it between metaverses, the more it seems like one connected one instead of many close wall gardens, right? You're absolutely right with that. And if you think of, if you try to think of things from the perspective of the consumer, if I'm playing, say, Fortnite as a consumer and I spend $50 buying clothes, the second I leave Fortnite or the second Fortnite creates Fortnite 2, Everything I had purchased is gone. So right now in the gaming industry, when you buy clothes for your characters, you are literally renting them. And the terms of that are totally set by the developers. So they take your money and they can totally decide when your clothes is obsolete, when you can't use them anymore. The consumer expectation is growing just like the metaverse is. If I spend $50 and buy a one-off jacket, or if I spend a lot more and buy some NFT piece of digital clothing, I, as the consumer, will feel uncomfortable with the fact that it only works in, say, one little world when there's an infinite number of metaverses that are potentially being made. I want, If I own it, I want to be able to bring it with me in any, any world I go into. You know, I, I purchase it. You can wear your shirt in any store you want to go into. So the consumer is expecting parity between reality and the, and the metaverse. They don't want to have these weird barriers 
that are arbitrarily put up by developers and publishers and all these weird politics that they don't understand. What they do understand is that they purchase something, they own it, they want to interact with that thing in the same way they would with a real life version of that. They want total parity between digital and physical. And I think there's a huge, by supporting that sort of ecosystem, this is very advantageous for consumers. This is very advantageous for creators because that means that they can distribute across a wide band of audiences. But right now, and this is the case with the fashion industry, they're like, we want to sell in the metaverse. So they go to like Fortnite, which charges them up front a ton of money to do it. And they get no rev share at all. And once that's over, they like to go into another metaverse is another, you know, a quarter million dollars or whatever. So they have to keep paying to get in each one. They have to do the negotiation with each developer. A metaverse scenario that supports the artist and the consumer in an in a economically viable way allows those two parties to interact with each other directly and have freedom to take their purchases where they want to take them. So the trick is just making sure that developers um, are aware of why they should they should support an open metaverse rather than a closed one. This is truly fascinating. I, I can't thank you guys enough for being here. And, and, and again, it's been very eye-opening for me. Um, I have to ask uh, a, a question uh, about what comes next. So you talked about what comes next in your business model and the release of your platform this summer called MetaTailor. Um, are you looking at any other aspects of the metaverse that you want to I don't want to say commoditize, but make simpler and then democratize people's ability to create content and sell content in that way. What come what comes after fashion and clothes? Uh, um, there's a lot of technical stuff, but I think that's less exciting to the audience. I think the next kind of front facing thing is um, hair is really complicated in the metaverse or just in digital hair is really complicated. And we have some techniques that could make digital hair feel like real hair and you can build it on your character and take it with you in any metaverse. Um, weapons are really exciting for people. People want to be able to build their own weapons, their own vehicles, just all the stuff that exists that you love to have in the real world. You want versions of that with you in the digital world. And you want to be able to interact with that stuff without needing 10 years of 3d modeling experience or, or, or C sharp coding. So just making this all this content more fun and easy to interact with. Um, we have a lot of apps planned that could that could potentially bridge this gap. Well, Graham and Jordan, thank you so much for sharing what Holograss is doing, what your platform MetaTailor will do, and why this is so important to gaming and, and metaverse technologies. I'm sold now and I, I can't wait to see a demo of this. I hope we can get you to come to an Austin Forum event in the future when we uh, do more demos, uh, as we bring our in-person audiences back and grow their size, we fully expect to have gaming and metaverse demos. And I hope you'll be able to join us and bring your technology and show it off. Cool. Absolutely, Jay. All right, well, thank you all for joining us on the Austin Forum Upload. Listeners, thank you for listening and we'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.